Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right, all right. We are so excited that you're here this morning. But even more than us being excited, God is excited that you're in the room this morning. Um, one thing I want us to, to focus on as we jump into this message this morning is often as people, we forget things. Any of you, I got any forgetful people? How many are post-it people and you, and you left post-its, but then you forgot where you put the post-it? Hey, I had some fingers pointed like this one right here, right? Um, so, you know, just because we, we celebrate Easter today does not mean that today is the only day that God rules and reigns victorious, and we have to be reminded of that. Like, I think sometimes we're like, man, I'm so pumped up. Easter's awesome. Guess what? He sit, Jesus sits at the right hand of God continually. And it says that he makes intercession for us. That means he is praying for you and I. How many of you have a hard time praying? Well, guess what? God prays good prayers. And when we pray and we ask God something, you know, Jesus, it says that he is the mediator between God and man. And we may say something to mess it up, but you know what Jesus does? He says, hey, dad. That ain't what he meant, but here's what he needs. And the translation is adjusted based on what we need and what, what changes our lives. So God is victorious in every season, in every moment, uh, throughout time, right? All of the work is finished, and I'm so excited this morning about to, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, this morning, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I hope that you leave this place today beginning a relationship with Jesus. He is the focus. He is the point. He is the reason that we gather today. Now, I hope some of you showed up for Jesus and not just the Easter eggs. Now, we have the Easter eggs are still in your kids' candy, however that plays out, right? I don't care about the eggs, but I care about the candy. But many of you, maybe this morning, you have come preconceived with trust issues. You don't trust people and therefore, how can I trust God? And when I don't trust God, it severs the, the, the health and the life of the relationship that he truly wants to have with us. But I want you to know this morning that God is a trustworthy God because he proved his love to us through Jesus. Now, how many of you in the room are people that says, hey, don't just tell me you love me, show me you love me. Now, we have to understand that Jesus' death on the cross was God's greatest love letter for you and I. He redeemed us. He loved us. He cared about us. He pursued us. It says that while we were still yet sinners separate from God in our own rebellious ways, that is when Jesus died for us. It wasn't where I am today. And even if I look at myself today, I think sometimes as Christians, we're guilty of thinking we have earned it. I want you to tread lightly when we believe that we have earned our salvation or we have done enough good things to earn our salvation. It was never about earning it. It was never about being good enough. That's why Jesus had to come as the perfect lamb to take away the sins of the world. But this morning, I hope as we look at this, these passages and we look at the heart of God towards you, can you point yourself, say towards me, 
Because this, this is personal. It doesn't matter if I figure it out, I want you to figure it out. If you walk away today understanding God's love for you, it changes the whole perspective. Because when we know somebody loves us, how many of you know when you know someone loves you, you will even receive the hard things that are spoken to you? You will. You say, man, I don't really like that, but I know you love me. And because you love me, I will receive it because it's for my well-being. And we have to understand, in relationships in this world, they are broken, they are fractured, and sometimes we are, you know, trust issues are justified, but God is a trustworthy God. He knows what he's doing. He knows right where you're at today. He knew you were going to be here in this place. So we're going to look at the story of Jesus' death on the cross, and we're going to look at what happened, and we're going to look back just for a moment, and then we want to look at the end of the story because it's super exciting to us because we know the end, the end of the story. You know, that he didn't stay dead, and he did, you know, the disciples were discouraged. They were defeated, and like I said, they had forgotten what Jesus had said. Right, if we remember, like those disciples, that, that Jesus is gonna do what he says he's gonna do, we're gonna be okay. But it's those moments that we forget what he has said that we miss the point. But he was not just victorious today as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, but he rules victorious forever. So let's look at Luke 24, one through six. Verse one, it says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb. Bringing the spices they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord. While they, were, while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead, they asked him. He is not here, but he has risen. So he would not just raise from the dead, but you know, he, he would do what he said he was going to do. So the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. Now we have to understand in this story, when we talk about the gospel or we talk about the good news, the good news is Jesus did not stay in the tomb. That's the difference. Uh, you, you know, you can look at all kinds of religions. You can look at all different kinds of ways that people communicate uh, that says, well, there's many roads to God. I beg to differ. The Bible talk says that there is only one way unto salvation, and that is through Jesus. Now, if Jesus would have stayed in the tomb, I have what I like to call a broken gospel. Now, some of you say, well, there's not a broken gospel. You take Jesus' resurrection out of the equation, that's a little concerning to me. But when we understand in faith that the resurrection happened, and when they showed up, the tomb was empty, that also guarantees my resurrection at the end of this life, that what God said he was going to do is going to be done. Right, that's what it talks about. But the good news without Jesus is no gospel at all. At all, Jesus is the gospel. Jesus giving his life for the sins of the world is the greatest love story ever told. So all through the Bible, we see that there was a sacrifice needed for sin. Hebrews 9, 22, it says, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And listen to this passage. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, as we start piecing together the story of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we have to understand that there was a shedding of blood, that it was gruesome, that it was horrific, that it was a hard choice. It was a hard walk. But Jesus knew that there had to be the shedding of blood, and he chose to do that for you and I. Jesus was not only a sacrifice, but he was the final sacrifice for sin. He was the sin for not just you and me, but for the whole world. 
The blood of Jesus was good enough and powerful enough to cover all of our sins. Right? That was his heart. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to die for some of them. Right? I don't know if I'd have gave my life up just for a few, but I'll go to bat for all of you. And that was Jesus' heart. Acts 1.3. It said, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive. Can you say that? Say alive. To them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So he, he died, he rose again, just like he said. So we have to understand that Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He got up and, you know, initially the disciples, you know, they were perplexed. They were confused. They showed up and Jesus wasn't there. And I, and I just see the disciples getting there and walking away, kind of scratching their heads saying, I wonder what happened. They had forgotten the promise of God. They had forgotten what he had spoken. If we hold to what God has spoken, we will remain full of faith and full of hope. Now we talk about Good Friday. Good Friday is only a good day because we know what happens today. That Jesus comes back, you know. And I think for those that didn't know or didn't hear the promise, and I think even the disciples struggled with it because they saw it happen. But with faith, all things are possible. Through God, resurrection life can be released. Amen? So I want us to look um, for a moment backwards, and then we're going to look and we're going to end looking forward. So forgiveness of sin and uh, you know, accepting God, you know, this is how you get into the family of God. We can never earn it. We can't deserve it. There's nothing we can do on our own. We have to understand that all of us are on a path to destruction apart from Jesus. There's nothing that we can do, all right? So unless we receive the saving grace of God through Jesus, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, you have been saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. So if it was based on boasting or it was based on what you can do, well, then guess what? We could ante up and say, hey, look, this is what I've done. And hey, look, well, this is what Gabe's done. And you know, this is what Mark's done. And we could kind of have measuring sticks. And you know, we do that in life. We think as long as we're doing a little bit better than the other person, we're okay. But guess what? Do you know that Jesus was the standard? That was the standard. So anytime that we think we're doing okay or we got it all together, guess what? When Jesus is the standard, we all fall below the standard. There's nothing we can do even on our best day. How many of you would agree with that? How many would you agree, would agree this morning that I am a sinner? If you didn't raise your hand, then you're lying. Therefore, you're a sinner. Okay, thank you very much. A lot of sinners in the house because nobody raised their hand. Maybe you're holding your coffee or you're holding your wife's hand or whatever, but you didn't raise your hand, okay? So we have to understand that even the little sins separate us from God. And without uh, uh, just Jesus' blood covering those sins, we are deserving of hell. This is the gospel story, but we're going to look back. You know, this morning I want to reflect not only on Jesus' death on the cross, but I want us to look at what the cross represented, what it accomplished, what it did. And I want us to start the story by looking at the thief on the cross. Because I think there's a lot, because if we realize it, guess what? We were all the thief on the cross. We know Jesus was on the cross and he was perfect. He was holy. You know, the Bible says it needed a pure, spotless lamb. So you have to understand, Jesus never messed it up. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was born of the Spirit. That's how all this is possible. Without the perfect, spotless lamb, it wouldn't have been good enough. 
That's why it had to be Jesus and it couldn't be one of us because we're all flawed and fractured. So let's pick up that story on the thief on the cross, Luke 22, starting in verse 32, and we're going to look all the way through 43. Verse 32, it says, the two other criminals who also led, were led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He, he, sa he saved others. Let him save himself if, God, if this is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. Verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then an inscription was above him. It said, this is the king of the Jews. I want to stop there just for a minute because if you look at John 19, 21 through 23, it says, so the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but instead write, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, he said, what I have written, I have written. Now understand, even in the wordage of what was written over, his, over, over the cross, it says, this is the king of the Jews. What they wanted him to write is saying, I am. They wanted to support it by opinion of who he thought he was versus who God said he was. But even the title itself, it says, this is the king of the Jews. And even heathens put the sign up, declaring who Jesus was. Continue to keep moving in verse 39. It says, then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him. It says, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment. We are punished justly, but we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then in verse 43, this is the sweetest passage because it says, And he said unto him, Truly I tell you that today you will be with me in paradise. And when we look at the gospel and what was required and what was needed, it's very, very simple. And then in Luke 23, 46, it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I com commit my spirit. And then he said these three last famous words, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So we have to understand this morning, when Jesus says it is finished, guess what? It is finished. There's nothing more that has to happen. There's nothing more that he has to do. What is done is done. What is finished is finished. He's done everything that he needs to do. Now he is waiting on us. He's, he's bridged the gap. He's, he's made restitution for our sin that separated us from God. He made a way when there was really no way to the Father. So this morning, we're going to look at five things that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because it's one thing to look at the cross. It's another thing to know what the cross actually accomplished. So number one, that he forgave us in advance. He did that for us. Before you even felt like you sinned, he forgave us. He knew what we were going to do. He knew what we were going to need and he had made a choice to forgive us all. 
to not hold it against us. He forgave them. He says even in this passage, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you realize um, ignorance does not excuse us from the wrath of God? We have to understand that just because we don't know any better doesn't mean like he's going to say, oh, well, you know, you didn't know any better, so I'm going to give you a freebie. No, you have to understand. And I think each of us know deep down, you know, unless we believe the, 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 the story our mom told us that you're the best kid and you never do anything wrong and you're just my perfect angel. I mean, no, that ain't true. <laughs> the naive mama, right? Says, I just want to see you like that. I'm going to call it out in faith. Because really deep down, there's a lot of wickedness. There's a lot of ugliness in us. And, and even on our good days, how many of you know we're flawed and fractured? And, you know, how many of you often have things that bubble up? You're just smart enough to not let them come out of your mouth. Right? So, ooh, man, if I could say what I want to say, or if I was in my heathen days and I wasn't a pastor, I'd tell you what I'd say. Right? But it says, out of the heart flows all of these wicked things, cause all of these ugly things. But we are born into sin. But he chose to forgive us while we were still yet sinners. Romans 5.8. But God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He proved it and he demonstrated it through Jesus. When we say, how much did God really love me? We know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son for me. How many of you know that that is a humbling thing to accept? That is a humbling thing to realize that God loved me, that he forgave me, that he, that he chose in advance to forgive all of us. Jesus saw who we would become on the other side of sin. I think for some of us that's hard to believe because I think sometimes we don't think that we were created on purpose with great plans and a purpose. I think some of us think, and maybe you, maybe you were an accident. Let me just say that this morning. Maybe you weren't planned. You just showed up. But guess what? When you become formed and fashioned in your mother's womb, all of a sudden God has a plan. Even amongst the chaos. But I think this morning, some of you say, well, I wasn't planned. I wasn't wanted. God didn't love me. No, God formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. It says he knew the number of hairs on your head. He created you with purpose and destiny. And you know what his ultimate goal was? To restore the relationship that was broken by sin to welcome you back into his family. There's nothing in this room this morning that God can't deal with. You think he's falling off his throne? Oh, man, that one caught me off guard. Come on. That's not the, now us, what kind of judge things? And we, how many of you know we're guilty of that? We judge these certain things and we're like, oh, these are the worst things. Anybody ever stole a piece of bubble gum? You can go to hell for the bubble gum too. Sin is sin, right? We tend to categorize, but who am I to judge, right? We judge our brothers and we judge our sisters and the scripture instructs us. It says, hey, before you try to move the speck out of your brother or sister's eye, remove the plank from your own eye. It says, be careful how you judge because lest you will be judged in the same manner. You know what I've learned? Oh, I'm releasing mercy. I'm releasing forgiveness. You know why? I want to be dealt the same thing that I'm giving. Can you think about that? What if somebody judged you just like you're judging others? Now, I don't know everybody in the room. I'm sure we have visitors today. Guess what? I love you all. But this is the truth of God's word. 
that he forgave us, that he loved us, that he covered that sin. There's nothing this morning that he can't deal with. But guess what? All of us started somewhere. All of us came to the place of needing the cross and realizing that, man, I did kind of mess this thing up. I have fallen short of the glory of God, and all you have to do is receive that forgiveness that he forgave us in advance and come to Jesus. Do you understand that God has unconditional love for us? What unconditional loves is means that he can't love you any more than he loves you right now. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you any less. You're stuck with the love of the Father towards you. So guess what? On my bad days, he loves me. On my, on my good days, he loves me. When I'm kind of mediocre, not really doing anything great or not doing anything horrible, I'm just kind of like, eh? Guess what? He still loves me. Some of you got to get that. If you just get that, your life will be changed. He loves you right where you're at. Maybe you never felt the love of God. You felt judged by the world. I'm sorry people have not been a good advocate of the Father's heart towards you. But God is trustworthy. Just because people have broken that trust, I want you to understand the depths of Jesus' love for you proved that God loved you and he forgave you in advance. Y'all like number one? Man, it'd be good enough. We could go home, go hunt some Easter eggs, say, thank you, Jesus. Let's look what else he did. Number two, he finished and he completed the work that he set out to do. God, Jesus finished the race. He didn't get halfway up the hill and say, psych, ain't going there, it's too hard. It's gonna get worse. It actually got to a point where he couldn't carry his own cross and somebody had to help him carry the cross up the hill. He had excruciating pain. He had been suffered. He had been beaten. He had been bruised. He had been slashed for us. But he finished the work because what did he say? It is finished. He would have never gave up his last breath if it wasn't done. He said all of the scriptures had been fulfilled. Everything that the father asked him to do was done. It was completed. But by dying a criminal's death, he took on the sins of the world. First John 2, 2, it says, he himself is the atoning sacrifice. That means that he covers us. He covered the, the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So the death on the cross, it was brutal. The blood that was shed for you and I, it was the requirement for forgiveness. Remember, it says any, there without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, Hebrews 9.22. What he did in completing everything he was supposed to do, he actually finalized a way to the Father. So what he did, Jesus actually bridged the gap that separated mankind from God. I got a quick little illustration picture so you can see what happened. So in this picture, we had people who were sinful. We got that? Are we good or I need to keep talking about that we're sinful? We got it? Thumbs up. And you ain't falling asleep in this church service. Come on. Right, we understand, and so we're over here, we're sinful people, and there's this separation between us, and we can't get from over here, but God is over here. He is holy, and he is right, and he is just, but there is a separation of sin between humanity and God. So we have to understand, what did the cross do? What did it accomplish when there was a separation from God? What Jesus did, he actually, when he stretched those arms out across that cross, you can go to that next slide, he actually bridged the gap for us. The chasm that was far too wide that we couldn't reach, that we couldn't jump over, right? We couldn't swim underneath. There was no way to make it across. Jesus bridged that gap. He closed that way so that we could have redemption back to the Father. This is where we were called to be. This is what we were destined to be. It says, He formed and He fashioned us in His image. 
Why would we pursue all of these things that don't pursue after God? When we don't pursue the things that face towards God, do you realize we are rejecting the image in which God has created in us? Right? We pursue all of these things. We only find our true identity and purpose for which God has built us and formed and fashioned us for when we cross the bridge through Jesus and we come into that loving relationship with Father God. All right? So he was the final sacrifice, the pure spotless lamb that took away the sins of the world. So number one, he forgave us in advance. Number two, he finished or he completed the work that he set out to do. Number three, he was fearless in obedience to his father. Fearless in obedience. Now, fearless, that word, when we dissect it a little bit, it can be defined as being bold, being brave, being courageous. It means doing the hard thing. Like, I think a lot of times we think we got it hard. Like, I'd much rather be me than Jesus. He had a hard responsibility. He had an obligation to the whole world, to the Father, to do what what he said he was going to do. Jesus was, was going to do what he agreed to do, and it was not easy. Luke twenty two forty two, he actually was challenged with what he had to walk out. And in this passage, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. But verse 44, but being in anguish, he prayed more fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When's the last time you were so stressed out, you started bleeding blood out of your pores? Man, this is high stress. This is literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. He understood what he had to do, but he did what he set out to do. Do you understand what Jesus did in this moment when he decided to finish the work, when he decided to be fearless in obedience? Do you understand Jesus actually stood in our place when we deserve to be crucified on this cross and said, no, 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 man, I got this one for you. I got it. And he became the sacrifice so that we could live and not die. That was what that obedience accomplished on the cross. Number four. He was faithful in his promises. All of the things that he promised he would do. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So we have to understand that the relationship with God through Jesus, it's available to you today. Right? It's not like far off. And even some of you this morning, you're really, really uncomfortable. You thought you were coming for eggs or you got, you got bait and switch to come to this service. You're like, man, like, this pastor's like getting all in my business and he's like making me feel like I got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. As long as you got breath in your lungs, you got to make the decision. Many people say, well, I'll just wait when it's convenient. Guess what? Salvation's never convenient. There's always going to be something else that you're going through. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the problems go away. It just gives me a lifeline to the Father, and it ensures my destiny. Do you understand that there's a heaven? Everybody wants to go there, but you can't get there apart from Jesus. And there's a hell, and if you don't do nothing, you're going to go there. Pastor, you told me I'm going to go to hell? Apart from Jesus, you're going to go to hell. I don't ever want you to feel like nobody ever told me. If I'm in the line to get into heaven gates and you're on the wrong line, you can't say, Pastor, you never told me. 
That's one thing I agreed to. When I started pastoring, Lord, I'm going to preach the truth and I'm going to tell people the truth. I'm going to make sure people know and they're not going to say, nobody told me. Now, if you didn't understand it's this big a deal, it's this big a deal. How many of you know you're older than you've ever been? No, you ain't no getting no younger. It's go, you're go, I mean, and I don't know where the downhill is for us, but guess what? We're somewhere on that downhill slide. So we have to choose today. The Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. What are you going to do with the cross? What are you going to do with Jesus? I guarantee you, if you go out in that field, when they put all those eggs out, if you go out there, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find a lot of eggs. Today, if you will search for Jesus, you will find him today. And he'll be like all those eggs. You're like, I can't get away from him. He's everywhere. Exactly the point. But as he knocks on your heart this morning, as maybe he's churning some, you're like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I'm not an emotional person. You might be today. Because it says the spirit of God begins to draw the hearts of men unto salvation. Realizing there is a need for Father God and there is a need of restoration of relationship. Do you understand that apart from a relationship with Jesus, nothing will make sense? But then when you have that relationship, all of a sudden everything else starts making sense. But you have to understand that he is faithful to his promise. As he knocks on, the heart, on your heart, let him come in. But I think it's also twofold. Sometimes he knocks on your heart, but you know what you can do this morning? You can go up to God's door and be like, hey, can I come in? What did he say to the thief on the cross? He says, today you can be with me in paradise. Today, you can ensure where you're going to go when you die. And how many of you know that takes a lot of stress out of the thinking? At the end, if I know where I'm going, man, I'll be all right. I mean, I mean, say a prayer, cry at least one tear, but then move on. We'll be okay. I know where I'm going, right? But we have to understand that he is always faithful to his promises. Now, if we look at the, cross, the, the criminals on the cross, there was two responses. One was faithless. He ridiculed towards Jesus. I'm sure he cursed. He kind of probably filtered out everything he said. I'm about to die. I'm pretty ticked. I'm a sinner. I'm sure a lot of unfiltered content came out. But he ridiculed. He said, if you're really the son of God, why don't you save us? But then the other one requested to be remembered. So we have one that was faithless. And we have one that was faith-filled. How do you know that he had faith? Because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, we have to understand that this thief on the cross, he could not earn salvation, but he had to apply faith in something bigger than himself to get there. Okay? So these two thieves, one ridiculed Jesus by yelling insults. The other recognized Jesus for who he was. What did he say? What were the words of the, of the, uh, the criminal? He said, this man has done no wrong. So understanding he is the pure spotless lamb that was going to take away the sins of the world. And that he asked to be remembered when he said, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, not my kingdom, not his kingdom, not any, whatever kingdom, your kingdom. So it acknowledged him being perfect and it also acknowledged his heavenly kingdom. He understood in that moment who Jesus was. He acknowledged Jesus as king of the heavenly kingdom. And that promise was today you will be with me in paradise. So he is faithful to his promises. What God says he will do, he will do. What Jesus says he will do, he is going to accomplish. Number five, the individual, he found, uh, he found he, Jesus can be found through faith. That's the whole point. Faith is the key. 
It's trusting. It's believing. Faith is unwavering hope and trust in Jesus, who he is, what he's done. And it, you have to just ask God for the free gift. It says salvation is a free gift. Well, how much does it cost? I said free. How many of you I've given away free T-bone steaks? You're going to line up and take that. I'm not going to have to convince you. Why should I have to convince you in the free gift of salvation today? It's free. Some of y'all are grubbing down on it. Some of you are like, you got to go get some of this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I dare you just to try God. Forget all the religious things that you've made up in your mind, the reasons why you don't feel like the church is the church and all those hypocrites. And I never, I never said I was a hypocrite. I just said I'm, I'm saved by grace. I mess up every day. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. And in that, we're flawed, we're fractured. You know, as a church, uh, a lot of people say, man, what are you doing to be successful as a church? And what are you doing to, you know, we notice things are going good. I said, man, we just realized we're a whole bunch of messed up people pursuing God. And we figured out it's funner to do it together than by ourselves. Yeah. Bible actually says, if you walk together, if you fall, somebody can help you up. But pity the fool that walks alone. It's about being welcomed into a family of God. It doesn't mean we're perfect. If, if Sometimes we're as bad as the world, but man, I'm saved by grace and I'm a work in progress. And I hope the more I walk with Jesus, the more I look like him. Because that's the point. Like you just can't keep living like a heathen when you come to salvation. You didn't hear me tell each of these young ladies this morning. I said, will you commit to follow Jesus all the rest of the days of your life? That means continue to move forward, right? That means getting past, getting some miles under your feet. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. So his existence and he will reward those who diligently seek him. So those who knock, those who, who, who pursue after him, you will find him. But you have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he was buried. He was dead, dead. Like it wasn't like he was just taking a nap for three days. He was dead and he rose to resurrection life. We shared last week about the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was dead four days. And Jesus said, get back up. He came back to life. Two weeks following the Lazarus story. And I don't know why the disciples were bummed out. They're like, man, Lazarus got up. Jesus is going to be right back. I would have partied the whole three days and just waiting around like, why y'all bummed out? Lazarus got up. Jesus said he's coming back. Y'all forget it. But they were all bummed out. It says they were scattered. They all took off and abandoned him. Peter, you know, abandoned his faith and uh, denied Jesus three times. Man, hard times. They walked with God. So I'm not saying that the Christian walk's not going to be difficult and challenging but we have to trust what he said he will do, that he, he can be found through faith, that he is faithful to his promises, that he is fearless in obedience to his father, that he finished and completed the work that he set out to do, and he forgave all of us in advance because that's the kind of God we serve. Jesus' response to this man's faith, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. I want us to in this story, kind of looking and thinking a little bit more about the thief on the cross. You realize that joker had nothing to offer? Here I am. Worst case scenario, deserving of death, guilty of sin, caught red-handed, sitting on the right hand or the left hand of God, whichever side you're standing on. He had nothing to offer. 
Do you realize he had no time to do anything significant for God? And I think sometimes we're guilty of feeling like we have to earn the way to heaven. If we're good enough, maybe he'll let us in. What that does is it puts, it puts us as the one earning our salvation. But what happens on your bad days? You know, I always, I always think about it. It's like, man, if it's based on what we earn, what if you're on your way to church, you stump your toe in the parking lot, you trip, you cuss on your way down and hit your head and you're dead. Well, you just lost it right then. You, you had a good run. <laughs> Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Whoopsie, big trip. Lord, I was trying, I was on my way to church. That's the problem with trying to earn salvation. You're going to mess it up. How many, we got any messed up people in the house? Man, if, you ain't, if they're not raising their hand, put some elbows on them. Come on, right? So just like, just like the criminal, we had nothing, he, had no, he had nothing to offer. Um, can you imagine? Think about this in just a moment. Shortly after he dies, he gets to heaven, and the angels show him, be like, hey, man, how the heck did you get here? And the criminal looks at him, says, man, I don't know. He looks at the roll call, and his name's on there. You realize he never got to become a church member? You realize he never went to a Bible study? He never got baptized. Ooh, you got to be baptized to, to make it to heaven? Come back. We'll talk about it, right? That guy couldn't get baptized. Now, baptism is an act of obedience to what God says, but if you, if you come to Jesus and you're on your way to get baptized and you croak over, yeah, it's okay. That's what, that's, that's what this doctrine right here is teaching, but baptism is an act of obedience. You know, he never made, he never went to church. He didn't, he never became a member of a church. And so we look at this story and they ask, hey, how did you get here? He says, I don't know. But what I know is the man in the middle cross said I could come. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Friend, that's what it's all about. Jesus says you can come. He makes a way. He says, hey, it's through me. Tell him I sent you. And let his blood cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And this is the only answer. I always tell, I used to be real, real hard on people say, hey, well, you get to heaven. How are you going to get in? What are you going to say? And a man, it better be Jesus, the blood of Jesus, you know, guilty of sin, cross. It might be something along those lines, you know, but Jesus is the only answer. Jesus said I could come. I asked if he would remember me in paradise Maybe today that's something you're wanting to do. You say, man, I want, God. I want to know God. I want to know that if I died right now, that he would know me and he would welcome me into paradise. But do you know what the difference is today? Me and you ain't strung out on a cross. We got a lifetime of living for God ahead of us. Now, we would be foolish. We'd be like, well, he didn't get baptized. He never got, went to church. He never. No, it's not that we don't do that. The difference was he couldn't do that. He was at the end of the end. But today you're, you're at a place where you can live your life for Christ. You can finish the race. You can do, be obedient just like Jesus, that you fulfill everything that God has asked you to do. And he's called you to do. But Jesus is the only answer. And if you ask him, Jesus, will you remember me today? Can I get to know you today? You know, his answer is absolutely yes. John 3, 16 through 18. We usually say John 3, 16, but I want to read the whole thing because I really think it paints a good picture of Father God's heart. It says, For God loved the world in this way. 
He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. That's the prerequisite. That is what's required. So we have to understand that this morning, the tomb is empty and the invitation is available to you today. Now, I know in the room, there's two groups of people. The first group, you already know him. And those of you who know him, guess what we do today? We celebrate. Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. When I show up at heaven's gate, hey, is no Econo there? No Econo's there. I can come in. I don't have to worry and say, oh my gosh, I don't know if my name's written in the book. But I celebrate because I know it ain't based on what I do, but my faith in Jesus. And I know that if I believe in Jesus and I receive it, guess what? The way will be prepared. So that's the first group. The second group, I believe, are those in the room that just don't know Jesus yet. And it's time for you, son and daughter, to come home. You've been away from the Father's house for way too long. There's something stirring inside. You're like, man, I'm ready for the egg hunt to get out of here. I'm super uncomfortable. That's the Spirit of God drawing your heart. Please don't leave this place without finding the most important thing. You can go crack every single one of them eggs in that field and you will not find what you're looking for. You won't find it because what you're really looking for is a risen Savior who died for the sins of the world, who comes and puts his arms around you and hugs your neck and says, welcome home, son and daughter. Can you stand up with us? We're wrapping this up. You know, it's like the prodigal son. Do you realize when the prodigal son came back? Now, the story of the prodigal son I want to be real, real quick. I'm already over a minute. Um, he came back, and do you realize the father didn't judge anything that he did? All he did said he slaughtered an animal. He threw a celebration. He got his best coat. Man, and he just welcomed his son home because the son that had been wayward had come home. God's not going to judge you. He's going to love you. Right? If God brings something up that he wants to deal with, let him deal with it right but just come home first I want to give everybody a chance this morning if you've never received Jesus if you've never started your relationship with God through Jesus that you get to do that today Luke 15 6 through 7 it says rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep it says I tell you in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. So pastor, because I'm saved, it ain't about me. <laughs> You're already in the Father's house. But what really gets Father God excited is when new people come into his house. They come into a relationship with him and they choose to follow him all the days of their life. So I want to give you a chance to do that today. Can everybody close your eyes? If you got your eyes open, I'm going to walk up to you and poke you in the eyeball. Close your eyes. I always got peekers in it, man. Somebody's putting their hand over their face so they don't look. Hey, today, I want it to be a safe place. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, or you're coming back because you've been gone for a while, can you just lift your hand real, real high, as high as you can, and then put it back down for me? I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. I see your hand. Put it back down for me. 
Anybody else? Come on, have bold faith this morning. Say, I need this, Pastor. I didn't realize this is what it was going to be about, but this is what I need. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. You can open your eyes now if you want. We're going to pray this together. And those of you that lifted your hands, I saw it, and guess what? God saw it. And that's all that matters. He sees your heart. He knows where you're at. So as we pray this together, I believe that this is going to be a life transition moment where the son and the daughter of the house that has been far away comes back. So can you guys all pray this after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you today, welcome home, son and daughter. Father's been waiting a long time. And he's excited for you to get to know him. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.